You're listening to GP Works, the podcast for and about general practice from the Irish College of General Practitioners. I'm Aileen O'Mara, and in this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Paul Armstrong, the new president of the ICGP, replacing Professor Tom O'Dowd. Dr. Armstrong, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Aileen. First of all, Paul, tell me and the listeners where we are right now. So, Aileen, we're sitting in the health centre or surgery here in Lifford in East Donegal on the banks of the River Foyle. It's a purpose-built health centre uh, that we've been practising out of since 1995. Uh, there are uh, eight doctors working here and uh, total staff, including nurses and secretaries, receptionists of about 24. And already you're, you're, you're looking at a new building, are you? Is it outgrown its, its, its work already, has it? it? It has. It was built for a much smaller practice staff, a much smaller workload. All the issues which uh, we now face in general practice all over the country are uh, obvious to us in terms of the space uh, that we actually need. So uh, actually this morning we had a meeting with the HSE about plans for a new health centre, um, a new primary care t- building in the town. A lot of the GPs listening to this episode will be in small two or three, you know, doctor practices or even single doctor practices in suburban Ireland or in urban Ireland or out in the country. They won't know what a primary care centre is, I'd say, a lot of them or haven't worked in one. What's it like here? Just describe it when you come in the door. Uh, so the, the building is on the campus of a local district hospital. Uh, it is about 3,000 square feet and it has a, obviously a central waiting area and then two wings which the practice uses and then another one which the HSE use. The, uh, do- as you say, doctors all over Ireland work in various different arrangements, but we all do very similar types of work in terms of our uh, primary purpose in looking after practice population, but also in liaising with uh, members of the wider team, either within the practice or within the HSE or in the community. So we, we have a building in at one stage could cater for everybody, but no longer really has the space to do that. So, so that's why uh, op- options do need to be looked at for, mm. for us. Because you're in an interesting hinterland here. You're on the, right on the border. You walk out the door, we go over the bridge, and on the bridge is the border with Northern Ireland. What's that like? Do you have patients coming across from Northern Ireland all the time? How does that work? Well, the, the systems are, are pretty well demarcated. Uh, the health system, probably more so than other systems uh, like education and that, where there is more integration. But we do have a significant number of patients who would have what you would call dual eligibility. So they either work or live on either side of the border. And uh, if they uh, and as a result would have eligibility for services within NHS or within the HSE. Uh, so for that reason, we are familiar with the services that would be in the north. And yes, it is it is unique. The nearest general practices to us by a long shot are actually in Straban. There would be two big health centres that are literally, literally only a couple of hundred yards away. So it did give us a, a unique perspective over the years. Um, at the start of COVID, the, the first real spike and cluster occurred in the border areas. Um, we had very, very high rates, obviously, that, that evened out over the country afterwards. But it was a unique feature of living and working in healthcare on the border. How did you become a GP? Uh, I uh, studied in UCD, um, even as an undergraduate in those days in the early 1980s, we did have exposure to general practice. I know it's an ongoing issue that really it's not adequate to this day in most colleges, but we did have, and I, I spent some time with a GP in North Roscommon, uh, Eugene Hardiman, who is well known there in that area, um, and uh, it, it certainly piqued my interest. Um, 
like most medical students, as I went through every specialty, I thought this is for me. But uh, general practice was the one that I kept coming back to. And that was because uh, I could see even then the opportunities it had for um, independence, for autonomy, for teamworking, uh, for be- being my own boss. And uh, that, that certainly attracted me. And as I, I went on, that became stronger. And when I uh, finished my intern year, I applied for the GP training scheme in Sligo. Which um, I, where I spent four years, and that was a very powerful formative influence on me and on my career as a GP. You're not just a GP here in Lifford. You also have an involvement in a housing association, which is not an, a usual thing for GPs to do. Can you tell me a bit about that? Well, as, as GPs, uh, we, we are in a unique position in terms of our um, influence and, and ability to influence people's lives. And we become advocates in various ways. And uh, I could clearly see um, many years ago the, the, the need for, for, for better housing. And this really came from the endless requests uh, for letters, for the council, for housing, for adaptations in particular. And there were two particular patients that stood out in my mind. One was a a wheelchair user who had, uh, from birth, a spina bifida, who um, just didn't have access to appropriate housing in our area and ended up having to go into the north. And I, I felt that that was something that we should have been able to offer. And another um, key story which which stands out for me was a man who moved into a brand new council house, a lovely three-bed house, and about six months later developed lung cancer and unfortunately um, ended up getting terminal care at home. But that house, which was only occupied for six months, needed modifications to its doors in terms of the width to facilitate his wheelchair and to give him a downstairs bathroom, which he was he was sleeping in the sitting room and the toilet was upstairs. And it, it felt to me that why were we building new houses that really weren't, in some cases, weren't fit for purpose a uh, very short time afterwards. So I then became aware through reading and talking to other people and also greatly influenced by another GP, Jerry Crowley in Mulrani, who had some very innovative work on uh, housing for people. Mm-hmm. He had uh, done a particular project on returning emigrants. So once once I became interested, I realised the huge need and demand. And this was at a time when money was available in the Celtic Tiger in the early 2000s. An awful lot of it was wasted, but not all of it. And we were able to access uh, very significant funding to build 53 units of housing, uh, which is an integrated neighbourhood. It has general needs housing. It has housing for people with varying... uh, levels of ability i don't like even the word disability has its uh, its own connotations but we all have abilities and their impairments um so the how the the, the scheme is built for an integrated scheme of uh, general needs and other housing and we've spent many years trying to get a second one going but unfortunately we've hit um the the bumps with the, the economy in the last decade but we are hoping to have a second project in Castlepin slightly smaller uh, up and running shortly sucker for punishment then <laughs> well it's it, uh, the, the the big problem with all of the voluntary organisations though is is about the the regulatory environment is quite difficult and getting people to join you as directors and that but mm-hmm. we we have managed to do that mm-hmm. but many many colleagues do similar work like in for football clubs that's pro bono um, uh, for the local GAA for volunteer organisations for counselling services so. For many of us, it's an opportunity to, to give back and uh, we, we, we do it willingly. And it shows also the role of a GP in a community. You know, it's not just a job that you're doing in an area that you're actually part of a community. 
Absolutely, and uh, it's sometimes you know doors do open a little bit easier, you know, when when we give our support to a project. So um, we we're always aware of that. You were the president of the ICGP for the coming year. You took over in June. What's your vision for the role? Well, as president, it's it's my job to to represent the the college. Um, there is a, a very robust structure within college, um, administrative and secretarial, and also medical. Obviously, the chairman John Farrell, um, the medical director in particular, uh, Dermot Quinlan, would do the major work in terms of delivering papers, um, meetings, and and that. So, as president, my my role is more representative. But it again, it's an advocacy role. It's uh, I see my role as promoting the aims and objectives of college, of uh, keeping us centre stage, like we, we have had a very uh, strong profile and a very powerful place over recent years um, during COVID, uh, the, the way we've been able to represent patients and GPs has, I think, been very powerful. And of course, that didn't just happen over the last two years. That was built on a foundation going back decades that was built on the reputation that was built up, the structure and the organisation, the CME network, the educational opportunities. So that that really has come to fruition. Uh, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's great that we've been able to step into that breach so quickly. So my job is to facilitate and encourage and, and push on with all of that. There's the bigger picture of general practice then from that, Paul. Obviously, during COVID, the, you know, as you say, the profile of general practice, the profile of the ICGP increased hugely. People are much more aware of what general practice is. There are a lot of challenges, though, to general practice in Ireland now, aren't there? There, there certainly are. And uh, there are, uh, at the end of the day, we provide services for patients and, and they, they are meeting difficulties. And, and uh, as GPs, we are, are struggling to, in, in some cases, to keep up with all of that. There's a good news story behind all of this in that our health services have improved hugely in loads of ways. People have uh, are living longer. There is a very good chronic disease uh, module which has been introduced recently. Our population is increasing. Our cancer care is better. Our cardiac care is better. But that's all creating difficulties in terms of people living longer with comorbidities and multiple morbidities. And it, it really is a, is a no-brainer that that is going to create greater demand and greater need for services. And because of that, uh, the, the, the workload that GPs are facing on a day-to-day basis is increasing. Um, in, in some cases, it's nearly a breaking point for some practices that are overstretched and under-resourced. And the, um, the, the workforce, there are issues around, we need more doctors, we need more general practitioners, we need more ancillary people working with us in the practices, we need more nurses, we need uh, all of the different people that it needs to provide services. And they, they, in, in some ways, I think this was predictable and, and kind of because things were going well, we kind of felt as a society that this will all sort itself out, but it, it won't without planning. It takes a decade to bring a doctor from, from undergraduate right through to training. Um, it, so there are other ways of bringing people in, obviously, from abroad and of um, improving our, our staffing and support structures in the shorter term. But there, there are major challenges there which have to be addressed at a very senior level. And as you say, it, it takes planning. There are no instant solutions. The college wants to meet the minister about this. Uh, absolutely. There, there has to be a high-level workforce group set up to, to review all of this. There, there, there are some things you can do in the shorter term, like we've made huge progress with using telephone telecommunications, with using electronic prescribing, but that's really not going to fundamentally address the population needs, the elderly population needs, the comorbidities, the very high expectations that people have 
uh, without the minister and uh, the very senior people taking this seriously and investing in this for the longer term. Because in some ways general practice is taken for granted. People think they can just ring up the GP and be seen that day or the following day. But in large parts of the country now, you won't see your GP for several days. And for a lot of people as well, they can't even register with a general, with yes. A general practitioner. Yes. Uh, the, and for many years, the GP was the, the, the kind of uh, the protocol for everything. Um, we went around with, you know, bags in the back of our car, attending road accidents, emergencies, uh, house calls, um, clinics, paperwork, everything. And they, they, certainly that's completely unsustainable. And yes, there are huge improvements made in, in different areas, but it, they, they, people are have, patients are having difficulty registering. Um, doctors can only take on so many to work safely and practice safely. Uh, there have to be some limits put on that. Um, you, the feedback that we are getting in the media and from people is around accessing doctors and it is a factor, although I think expectations are extremely high in terms of needing to speak to the doctor the same day. Often that's not necessary and it can wait a day or two. And certainly living here on the border, I'm acutely aware of the services that are available in the north of Ireland and they are they, in many ways, the services that we're providing are far more responsive, um, far easier to access. But for some reason, people seem to think that things are, are very bad here in the South. There are, are not, in my opinion, in my experience. That things are better than people think. I think they are. I think they are. I think there is a, there, there, we, 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 we're very slow to recognise the huge improvements that we've made. Because of that, it's created problems we have to address those problems. The minister has to address those problems. So the college hopefully will be meeting the minister soon and I know that the college is working on a big document on this as well, which we will come back to in in a future episode of GP Works. Thank you, Dr. Paul Armstrong, for for giving us your lunch break here today in Lifford to talk to us uh, about the practice here and about your vision for general practice as president. Thanks to you to the listener for joining us on this episode of GP Works, the podcast for and about general practice brought to you by the Irish College of General Practitioners. And remember, you can subscribe to our latest episodes wherever you get your podcasts and we have fresh episodes arriving every few weeks. You can follow the college on Twitter at ICGP News and do let people know about the podcast. I'm Aileen Amara and thanks for listening.